Merry Christmas. Some of you aren't quite ready for Christmas, apparently. That's cool. I get it. There's a lot of people up front, so you're in the spit zone. Sorry. My name's Adam. I'm usually leading worship on Sundays, but today I'm, I'm bringing the message this morning. And we've been in the midst of this Unto You series. It's our second week, and we're, we're looking at different areas of our lives that the gospel, that the good news of the gospel that came as Jesus, as a baby Jesus, how that applies to our lives. So last week, Zach looked at the, the wise men, and the wise men were men who were far off. They were distant. They were far away. But yet... God drew them close and wanted them to see, to see what he's all about, the love and the grace and the power he has. And we got to hear Jacob Wood's story of his life, how he was far off and God spoke to him clearly and drew him close. And today we're going to look at the story of the shepherds. We're going to look at the story of the shepherds and how, uh, how the shepherds were in the field. They were, they were doing their job. And the good news of the gospel was dropped in their laps. And what does that have to do for us in our lives? What part of our life can we relate that to? And we're going to dig into that today. But before we get digging in too much, I want to kind of walk you guys through what you're seeing here. We've got these pictures. And each week, some of these pictures change from week to week. But the thought being that the different areas of our lives, the good news of the gospel is brought to those areas. Really specifically. So last week, if you were far off, if you were distant, if you felt like you were just in a crowd of people, that's what these pictures draw us to. And then we've got the, the picture of Mary and Joseph and the baby and how all of these things can relate to that, to Jesus showing up. So as you're leaving this morning, if you can't see, if you're too far away, walk by, take a look at these things. See if something prompts something in you. And that's the reason we're also doing the pictures out in the hallway before service where we want to get pictures of our family, our church family and our individual families, where we can say the gospel was for us, all of us. And we want just pictures of it so we can celebrate together what the good news of the gospel has done for us. So Anessa and our programming team have done an amazing job setting this up, but this is the direction we're headed. And today, if you look, you can see kind of images of just people like there's a picture of a conference room. Today we're talking about what does the gospel have to do with our work, with our day-to-day grinding it out work? How does the gospel play into that? And we're going to look at that through the story of the shepherds, through that filter first, and then dig into what that looks like. Is everybody on board with what I got going on this morning? Yeah? Okay. I got one hand clap. Okay. Here we go. All right. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Starting in verse 8, and it says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds found out about this Christ child first. They were the first ones. And they didn't find out in like, you did, they didn't get an, an, uh, an announcement in the mail, right? An angel showed up. And then a heavenly host of angels showed up and proclaimed to them this good news of great joy that was for all the people. And if the good news of great joy is for all the people, it's for all the aspects of all those people's lives. It's not just for the church time or the time at home when you're reading the Bible. It's for all aspects of our lives. And the shepherds were in the field doing their job and the gospel dropped into their lap. They were doing their job. The shepherds were not the best looking people in the world, my guess is, because they were dealing with sheep. Sheep are gross and they're dumb and they smell and they were out in the fields tending these things. The shepherds aren't CEOs. They're not even mid-management. Right? They're down in the muck dealing with these sheep day to day doing their job, grinding it out, something that's probably pretty thankless and not real rewarding. But the gospel showed up while they were at work, while they were at work. And I can't help but imagine what would my workplace be like if the gospel showed up at my job? What would the gospel, what would my, my workplace look like if all of a sudden the gospel showed up? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a banker. I work for a bank, a small bank. Um, I've been there for almost 15 years. I know the people I work with well. We've been there. I've been through stuff with them. But man, it'd be amazing to see the gospel move in some people's lives. How can I be a part of that? How can I further that? Just ever so slightly in my time at work. So that's where we're headed this morning. We wanna figure out how does the gospel pertain to our workplace. First thing I think we need to do is just kind of understand what work might be. For some of us, it is we go to work every day and grind it out. We're we're there eight, 10, 12 hours a day working hard at a job that pays us money and we come home and we cash the bank paycheck and everything like that. Some of us might be retired where we've done that grind. We've cranked that out and now we're at the back end of our life and we're kind of backing off from that day-to-day grind. And then for some of us, we might not <clears throat> be working at all. We might be stay-at-home parents where our spouse works and we get to stay home and care for the home and care for our children. And that's what our work looks like. 
Some of us might go to work all day and come home and then they have to play that role of single parent at that point. And that's still work, right? It's still hard. Work encompasses most of our lives and we don't think of it that way. As I was reading just the the idea of what work looks like, everybody said, as an adult, you spend half of your life working. That is a depressing thought. Spend half of our lives working. And I can't imagine that the gospel is not for half of my life. It is. It's for all of it. So how can I embrace that and take it into the workplace with me? Whether that be at an office or a physical job or at my home. What does that look like? So that's where we're headed this morning. The good news of the gospel was dropped in their laps. And they had a choice to make. They could either stay in the field, hanging out with the sheep, and just say, that was cool, and that's it. Or they could pursue it. And I think if the good news of the gospel has impacted you in any way in your life where you've said yes to Jesus, pursuing it in every aspect of our lives is important. And then if you look at the story, the shepherds, when they came back, that says they were glorifying and praising God as they went back to work after they met the Christ. Pretty cool. How can we do that in our lives? So there's three ways that I want to just kind of point us to this morning that I'm going to give you the three points right off the top so that I don't miss them and you guys can hold me accountable. The three things that I want you to remember is this. We need to understand our position, and I'll explain it in a minute, but we need to understand our position Another way that we carry the gospel into our workplace is we need to work hard and we need to work well. We need to work hard and we need to work well. And the third way we can carry the gospel into our workplace is that we can work with joy. And that seems hard. And we'll walk through those three things this morning. So the first thing, understanding our position. We need to understand where we fit in this created world that God created. And I'm gonna make this proclamation. We were created to work. God created us to work. In Genesis chapter two, verse 13, God talking about Adam says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. This is after the creation of the world, but before sin had entered the world. And God pointed Adam to a task and said, you are to work it and to keep it. We were created to work. I think a lot of times when we think about work, it has a negative connotation to it. Really easily, it's easy to have a negative connotation for the idea of work. And I think a lot of people think it is a result of sin, right? If if we remember the the story of Adam and Eve, when, when they eat the fruit and sin enters the world, there is a consequence. And it says that man will toil. It will be difficult. The work that he does will be difficult and hard. But the work itself is not a result of sin. The work itself is not a result of sin. It should not be avoided. We were created to do work. It should not not be avoided. Productive work is why we're created. When I was younger, um, much younger, 
I, my grandparents lived in Kansas City, Kansas, and they had these giant, giant, well, I don't know how big they were. They were big, but I was li- like, I was like three inches shorter than I am now in third grade. Um, <clears throat> and the, these maple trees in their backyard were huge, and every fall they would drop all of these leaves. And I remember my grandfather raking them onto a tarp and dragging them down to the back portion of their property, and they could burn in the city. And they would burn these leaves, and it's a pile taller than I am all of these leaves. And he would enlist his grandchildren to come and help him. My grandfather, I don't know where he got all of these rakes, but he had enough rakes for all of his grandkids. And we would all get a rake and start raking these leaves. And and eventually I would say this phrase that my parents and others in my family say that I said, but I don't believe it because it makes me look bad. Um, So I don't want this to be true, but apparently it is. That I would say, guys, ah, my back hurts. Like in second grade. My back hurts. I don't think I could do this anymore. And I would walk away. And a few minutes later, they they tell the story that they looked out onto the road and there I was sailing past on a bicycle while everybody else is working. God created us to do work. He created us to do work, not to avoid it, not to make excuses, not to only look for the fun in life, But he created us to do work. He created us to rake some leaves, if you will. It should not be avoided. But work is not our entire purpose. It's not our entire purpose. So if we need to understand our position, we were created to do work, but it's not all we were created to do. We were created to work and keep this earth that God created for us, but we were not to do only that. If we look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. Right? We were created to work. We were created to work. But our identity, who we are as people, cannot be defined by the work we were created to do. We are to set our minds on things above, not on things of earth. In America, our culture today is a go, 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 work, 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 make, make, make as much as you can possibly do it and retire at 65. Right? That's what what we have. And I think if, if that's how our mindset is, a lot of times our identity as human beings is wrapped up in the work that we are doing and not setting our minds on things above. We all know people like this, where all they do is work. They go, go, go to make as much as they can in their their time. They work hard, they work hard, they work hard, and they're distant and they're difficult to have a relationship with And their minds are set on things of this earth and not on things above. So we need to understand our position. Some of us today might be going, ooh, I work too much already. Like it's already hitting you and that's cool. Understand your position. You were created to do work, but it's not all you were created to do. So our identity has to be wrapped up in something that's other than work. Set our minds on things that are above, not on things of earth in order to kind of get to that position in our lives, if we look at the strategy that we talk about here at Gateway, where we talk about the idea of Sabbath and discipling and then sending people out, 
the Sabbath piece is what's necessary for us to truly understand our position. The Sabbath piece is that time where you purposefully take time out of your week and say, I'm going to focus on things above right now. I'm going to focus on things above and not on things of this earth and separate ourselves from it so that we can seek and hear from God. Because if we don't, our identity is wrapped up in work. And that's not what God has for us. So now we understand our position. We get where we're at. We know, we know that we were created to do work, but it's not all that we are. So how can we, if we were created to work, how can we focus on the things of God while we work? Focus on the things of God while we work. Well, the, the second point today is that we can work hard and we can work well. We can work hard and we can work well. Colossians 3 verse 17 says this, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then I love the comma that comes after whatever you do, because he's like, if you forget, like if you don't understand what whatever you do means, it means everything, but if you forget, I'm gonna define it a little bit for you. Whether in word, whether you're speaking or deed, you're actually doing something, some sort of action. Do it all for the glory of God. Your whole life can be focused on that. So we can work hard and we can work well because God's called us to. Later on in chapter three of Colossians, in verse 23, it says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We can work hard and we can work well. So how do we work hard and how do we work well? I think a lot of times in our, in our world, as you're going about your daily life, whether it be at work or, or at home taking care of children, it's easy, a lot of times it's easy to do the easy thing, right? It's easy to do the easy thing. But that's not what God calls us to do. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And God doesn't always want us to do the easy thing. He doesn't want us to cut corners. He doesn't want us to cheat. He wants our best. So in our work, in our daily lives, God is calling us to work hard and to work well, to do our best. It can be doing a project at work and it's easier to, to kind of maybe buy a cheaper part or, or skip this step because it's hard, it's difficult. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much, but it matters a little bit. And we cut corners. I know what that's like. We do things the easy way and we miss out on living the gospel in our lives because we're not doing our best and we know we're not. We're making a conscious choice to do the easy part because it's easy. And God is calling us to do our best, to work hard and to work well. He calls us to work with a higher purpose. If our hearts and minds are set on things above and not on earth, then all of a sudden our work becomes meaningful. Our daily tasks become meaningful. The things that were, be, once were mundane or drudgery all of a sudden have a deeper meaning behind them because we are seeking out things above in our work. It's a hard thing to do. I'll be honest. I've been trying over the past two weeks to like be better at work. It's not easy. There's people that get on your nerves. 
right? There's other employees, customers, bosses. They get on our nerves, but if, if our hearts are set on things above, then all of a sudden the work that we have becomes meaningful and we can seek opportunities to further the good news. The shepherds were given an opportunity to further the good news, and they do. They go back rejoicing and glorifying and praising God for what they'd seen and heard. And if you've met Jesus face to face, why are we not glorifying and praising all of the time? In all that we do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of God. And the last thing is that the end of that verse says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We can thank God daily for an opportunity to work, which seems weird. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to work. But if we were created to work and we're setting our, thing, our minds on things above, And we have an opportunity now to do the work that God created us with the right mindset, with our heart in the right place. And we can thank God for the opportunity to live out the creation that he created us in. And then we can thank God for the opportunity to further the good news in the world ever so slightly every day. We understand our position. We know where we stand We know how God created us and we know what our heart should be. And because we've got our heart right and our mind right, we can work hard and we can work well in our daily lives. And that furthers the gospel without you even needing to say anything. Because when we do our best, when we give our all, God is glorified in that. Even if we don't proclaim it loudly. The third point of the day is this, is that we can work with joy in our hearts. So we understand our position. We've got our our mindset right where we can work hard and we can work well. And now we can work with joy. I imagine the shepherds as they headed back towards the field, as they're walking over there, I think most days they had their head down, their staffs next to them. And they're like, all right, here's another day on the field, hanging out with stinky sheep, right? And now they're walking towards the field, staff in hand, head held high going, man, that was amazing. And their lives are shaped differently. If we've met Jesus, our work can be filled with joy. It's a hard thing to do. A lot of times the work that we do is difficult, it's challenging, it's mundane at times, and it is repetitive at times. It's hard to find joy in those moments. But if we've got our hearts and our minds right and we're working for a higher purpose, we can find something every day that you find joy in. I'll be honest, it's hard for me being in the same position for 15 years at at work where every day I kind of have the same task. Part of my job is to put out fires. I I fix problems at, at the bank. That's my job when when customers or employees have issues, they come to me. And the thing that I get frustrated with most is when an employee comes and asks the same question that they asked last week that you gave an answer for, right? That's frustrating. Hey, I've already, told, I've already explained this. I've laid this out for you. How are you not grabbing a hold of this? 
and then having to teach it over again and then teach it over again and teach it over again. And I, and I am thinking of one specific person that I work with and I'm not gonna name her name just in case she ever hears this. But man, it's frustrating. It's hard. And it's hard to find joy in the midst of a conversation with this person. It's hard to find joy. And last week I found myself frustrated again and walking past her desk and she said, hey Adam, how are your children? And my first response was, I don't want to talk to you. It's kind of how I felt, right? Because I just had to deal with her for an hour and I was frustrated and hard. But she asked a personal close question. Hey Adam, how are your kids? And I got to stop and have a conversation with a coworker that was real and meaningful and deeper than a normal day. And I could find joy in that. I could find joy in that. It's hard to find joy at work sometimes. But if we slow down, open our hearts, and have our minds set on things above, God can bring joy even into the most difficult situations that we're in. Relationships matter. And that's how you're going to find joy in the workplace. This is good news of great joy that's for all the people. So I want to love people well in my workplace. And I want to try and do that better. I'll be honest, I'm going to, I'm going to struggle. But I'm going to try and seek after those things so that I might have a little bit more joy in my life at work. So we've, we've come to this point where we've understood our position. We've got that we were created for work. We understand that we need to work hard and work well because it's what God's called us to do. And that God has joy. There can be joy, true joy found in the workplace. And there's all kinds of different people in our, in our midst that are working in different areas of their lives. Whether in an office job or, or maybe in a medical field or, or you're a stay-at-home mom. But these things all pertain to all of us. And so what I've asked today, I've got three people here in the congregation that I've asked to come. And they're going to answer one question each. And they're from different worlds. And so can you guys give it up for, for my panel of people today? There's Mafalda, Pat Whitworth, Mary Ludwig. Come on up, guys. You all right, Pat? Okay. I love getting to send a text message to some folks. And just say, hey, I want to ask you one specific question. And uh, always the response is slightly hesitant. Except for Pat. He was like, I'm volunteering in Kids Quest, but I can skip out. And I was like, hang on, let me talk to Sharon and make sure she's not mad. But this is, uh, this is Pat Whitworth. Pat is an optometrist. He, uh, he, he's been doing it for how long? 21 years. 21 years. You're not that old. Yeah, you are. Uh, he's been doing it for 21 years. So he passed an optometrist. This is Mary Ludwig. Mary Ludwig is a stay-at-home mom. She's got three kids, one in middle school, right? And two on their way. They feel, I feel like Aaliyah, what is she, nine? Eight? I feel like she's 16. It's weird. Um, kids are growing up, and Mary's 
uh, been doing this for a long time with her kiddos. And my favorite thing about Mary is she's loving on her kids at her home, but she's also loving on your kids here at church in Kids Quest every week and in the, during the week planning for it. So this is Mary Ludwig. And then this is Mafalda Cannon. Mafalda is in a, 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 was just in a transition and into a new job where she's working uh, in, a, in a rural community in a health care office where she's dealing with people who are hardened, who are financially strapped, and who are, who are sometimes difficult to work with. And so th- this, is, this, is, this is our panel. Can you guys give it up for them one more time? So I have a question. I have a question for each of them that are just specific to kind of where they're at, and I want them to answer them, take their time to answer the question. So Pat, we're going to start with you. So the question I have for you is, Pat, how have you in the past and how have you currently made sure that your identity is not found in your work, but it's found in Christ? I'll start with the present. Um, you, you talking about, you know, being frustrated at work. Uh, usually there's a element of a human component there, <laughs> whether it's your customer or your client or coworker. And there's been times when I've been just like you were. And when that starts robbing your joy and you're driving to work and a quick reminder for me always is, you know, that's what I do. I, I'm an optometrist. That's what I do. But my job is to love people, you know, love him and love others, and show grace, and it's amazing when I can go into work with that mindset, and that listen to worship music, or praying on the way into work, how much different my day goes, you know, when that difficult person I'm working with, or dealing with, I see it's coming in on the schedule, when I can approach that person with love, it's amazing how differently that whole dynamic turns out, but so, uh, in the past, I hadn't thought about this, but Adam kind of provoked my memory, you know. But in the past, we, we'd worked hard. I've, you name a job in the past, I've been working since I was 14, and I've probably done it. Um, dirty jobs, not so dirty jobs. So I've, I've been a fairly hard worker. Um, worked hard when we got out of optometry school. Had a good problem. We were... Growing and growing. So we, my wife and I had tried to have kids, for those of you who don't know. We tried for about 10 years and weren't able to have children. And so it's on our hearts to adopt. And um, we, we enjoyed the, the fruits of hard labor here on earth, but uh, it didn't really suffice, you know. That empty void I had for wanting children and relationship and... Uh, so we sold our practice and um, adopted our children so that we, and we'd have more time instead of thinking about work at, at home, you know. I was not a very good delegator. I had to wear every hat, you know, at work. And uh, sometimes lost a lot of sleep, you know, thinking of what's the next thing to do. So anyway, uh, and of course, God bless that. And we have two wonderful children and... Um, Life's much more enjoyable. Uh, you know, wasn't a great financial decision. I have friends that I went to optometry school with that are have multiple practices, still work, working hard, 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 making all kinds of money. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of joy in some of their lives. And uh, don't regret it for a second. That's 
That's awesome. Thank you, Pat. Can you guys give it up for Pat? Mary, here's your question for you. As your kids get older, as they're aging, how do you keep the good news filtered into all the different aspects of their lives? I imagine they're running 15 different directions on you. So how do you, how do you keep that focused in their life? Um, we have several things we do. Um, since I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm able to drive my kids to school every day. Um, we don't do the bus, and so that's my time. Um, now that I have one in middle school, it's just one-on-one time, you know, it's five minutes, but I take it. And um, so I pray for the kids each day on the way to school with him. Um, we sit in the parking lot with the other kids, and we um, pray in the car over their day. Um, and that's been pretty cool to see. Um, there are mornings that I don't really feel like it because we've had a rough morning. Um, but I'm reminded really quick that we need to pray before. Um, and so that's blessed our days. Um, we have adults in the church that we trust our kids with and we've trusted them to speak truth in our kids lives because you know we just need other people to tell our kids things that they're not going to listen to us about Um, and then another thing that we do is um, as we talk to our kids about their behaviors and things they're doing in their lives um, we just really try to show them and, and we teach them and show them that um, whatever behavior you're doing, don't, we can't just tell you to quit and you quit. You really just need Jesus to, to change you. That's mm-hmm. the only way that um, their hearts can change. That's awesome. How do you make sure that you are living in the good news of the gospel? Um, I know it's difficult. Kids are going to drive you nuts. So how do you kind of get that time where you're focused on your own? Well, in the beginning when my kids were little and I stayed at home, um, it was... It was hard to, to not just be um, wrapped up in everything they needed. Now my kids are all in school. Um, it's a little bit easier to find the time um, to spend in God's Word. Um, I'll be honest, I have a reminder on my phone. I read uh, Bible plans, and it pops up on my phone. So I, I don't really have a reason to forget or anything like that because um, we're just busy. Um, God has gifted me with um, a lot of gifts and a lot of things that I can do. And so I just continually ask God to um, show me what I can do. I, I have the gift of serving people and encouragement. And so I just ask God every day or all the time just say, you know, what do I need to be doing? Um, if someone's name pops up in my head, I just take that as um, God prompting me to pray for them or encourage them. Awesome. Thank you. Give it up for Mary, everybody. Now, Mafalders, you're in a new job, and you're, you're, you're dealing with difficult people sometimes. How do you prepare your own heart to trust that God will use the work that you're doing? Well, once he asked me that question, it really gave me an opportunity to think about it, that how do I prepare? In all actuality, God has been preparing me all my life, the journey of my life, the good decisions, the bad decisions that I've made, the storms that he and I have walked through, you don't realize that you're not in that boat alone. There's so many people that have gone through some of the same things that you've gone through, and you can be an encouragement to them by just, 
when Scott and I were, or Adam and I were talking, I'm sorry, I said something about having hope. Well, my hope was in my faith. I've known Christ since I was just a small child, and I just always knew he was there. I always knew that things would work out somehow, some way. So by my experiences, when I listen to some of the people that I deal with at the clinic, there's such despair, there's such heartache, they're lost, they don't know where to go, they're so far down that they can't even see up, and the heartbreak is with the children. I didn't go through some of those things, but I know what it's like to be a single mom. I know what it's like to have lost a husband. And those things just help you have more empathy if you've gone through it yourself because you understand where they're at and where they're coming from. I do a daily devotion every day, and I, I love my church. I love my church friends here. You're my, you're my family. It just helps me keep me grounded and in the Word and to know how important it is just not, not to give up. You know, most of my life is behind me now, and I have less in front. So you have such a reflection when you can look back and see where you've been and then where you are today. Awesome. Can you guys give it up for all three of them? Thank you guys so much. It's finding a place in your heart and in your mind where you can truly think about the work that God's put before you and how you can live out the gospel in that. I mean, I was think, just sitting there thinking about Mafalda and her, her life story is what she brings to the table when she's dealing with people. And she can sit there and trust God. Whoa, oh, Mafalda's coming back up. Okay. You will be. The yellow one, guys. Can you unmute the yellow mic for me? There we go. Okay. I I wanted to say this because it's meant so much to me for all of my life. Years ago, I was struggling a bit, probably needing encouragement, but didn't realize at the time that's what I needed. And a very wise pastor told me one time, you are planting seeds of a tree that you may never set in the shade of. And I never forgot that because even the smallest thing we do, it's a seed. He'll take care of it. We just need to plant it. Awesome. Thank you, Mafalda. So her life of dealing with of, of, of whatever her struggles have been in life and trusting God in those struggles, she, she brings those to the table to plant those seeds. And how do you trust God when you're just dropping a seed into the ground? And like she said, she might not ever ever sit under the shade of that tree, but she's trusting God. Trusting God that in the midst of trying to to have children, owning a business, making money, doing things the way that we're supposed to do it in America, but then something comes up that that is not right. It's It's not working out for us. And to say, I'm willing to lay that aside. My identity is not found in this but it's found in you. And so I'm gonna trust you with this piece, right? With your children of trusting other people to speak truth into their lives and being intentional in speaking and praying and having conversations with them that are hard. Being intentional with your own time and seeking the things that are above. 
if we can do these things and focus our hearts, understand our identity, who we are, how God created us, and what we should be focusing on, we can work hard and we can work well at what he's laid before us. We can find joy in the work that he's given us, even though it might be hard and even though it might be difficult. We can find that joy. The worship team's gonna come up. We're gonna sing one song today. Earlier in, in, in Luke 2, the, the angels show up in a multitude and they sing this. They sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And today we're gonna sing kind of what I would call the modern version of that. It's a song that we've sung here at Gateway ever since I've been here. It's been like 14 years. We're gonna sing a song called, a song is called Revelation Song and the chorus is this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And if we can sing that song in our hearts and in our souls today, when we're reflecting about our work life, things are gonna change. Joy is gonna be found. If we can point our hearts towards that, we'll be able to find joy in the midst of the daily tasks that God's given us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word and for your truth. And God, as we worship this morning, as we sing this song this morning, I pray that we get to, to sing it over our own lives and lift it up towards you and let it remind us that the good news of the gospel that was brought to the shepherds in the field is not just for a portion of our lives, but it's for all of it. And that includes our workplace whatever that might look like. So God, we wanna to look to you today, to the things above. And we wanna focus on you. And we wanna see you high and lifted up in this place and then high and lifted up in our workplaces. The gospel is at work in this world and we wanna participate in it. Speak to us as we sing this morning. Let's stand and let's worship together.